Hello, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Lady T, and you are listening to Consensus Pod. Here on Consensus Podcast, we discuss faith, family, and how to navigate the modern society as a member of the nuclear family structure. Well, continuing in the season, I have a special one for you. So we've discussed father hunger and the atrocity that that is. We've discussed the deinstitutionalization of marriage and how that all but collapsed American families, although um, some are still hanging in there. And we've also discussed divorce culture and how divorce went from being something that was available in the most extreme cases to something that is readily available just because, just because. And now, then we tackle baby mama, baby daddy culture, and how that has become the replacement for nuclear family structure. Well, today, we're going to arm ourselves with Lady T's five ways to navigate an anti-family American culture. So roll music, and let's get going. today an article by the Atlantic and a writer named Mandy Lynn Petron. Mandy Lynn Petron titled this article, What You Lose When You Gain a Spouse. In the contents of her writing, Ms. Petron tried to, or she decided she was going to compare and, and, uh, She's going to compare the social activities and social lives of married people versus those of single people. And in doing this, what she tried to do was make marriage a island on its own, a bastion of loneliness between two people. What she in, what she did, however, was just explain the different lifestyles between married people and single people. She, in one sentence, compares the likelihood, the likeliness of married people to call on parents and siblings and emotion, offer emotional help and things like that. She um, compares the community involvement of married folks with that of single people. And what she initially did was just pointed out the fact that married people prefer to be in, in their houses with their spouse because you know that is the person you entered into a lifelong commitment with so you probably should want to be alone with that person a majority of the time and so i I understand what the the goal her her writing i assume was to get people to think twice before getting married but the only thing she really did was point it out just how how uh, married people prefer the company of their spouses over everyone else, if they should, and that single people <clears throat> in their activities outside of their homes prefer to be among other people instead of alone in their homes, or single people prefer not to be lonely. That's, that's funny. So in a paragraph here, she says, as Chekhov put it, if you're afraid of loneliness, don't marry. He might have been on to something. In a review of two national surveys, a sociologist, Natalia Sarkeesian of Boston College and Naomi 
Gersel of University of Massachusetts at Amherst found that marriage actually weakens other social ties. Compare with those who stay single, married folks are less likely to visit or call parents and siblings, less inclined to offer emotional support or pragmatic help when things such as chores and transportation. They are also likely to hang, less likely to hang out with friends and neighbors. And then she goes into the doings of single people. She says, single people, by contrast, are far more connected to the social world around them. On average, they provide more care for their siblings and aging parents. They have more friends. They are more likely to offer help to neighbors and ask for it in return. This is especially true for those who have been single, shattering the myth of the spinster cat lady entirely. Single women in particular are more politically engaged, attending rallies and fundraising for, the, for causes that are important to them than married women. These trends persist but are weaker for single people who were previously married. Cohabitating couples are underrepresented in the data and excluded from the study. Well, what Ms. Tron does is compares the lives of single people and ultimately what she does is pulls to the, mind, the question to the minds of the reader, is it that married is it a bad thing that married people prefer to spend time with their spouses over everyone else and then she pulls to the mind the question of the activities of single people well why do single people prefer to be around others so much as uh opposed to being at home alone alone with themselves i would say that the loneliness doesn't apply to the married couple, it applies to those who are not married, those who are single, those who have no uh, romantic relationships, especially not in marriage, because the feeling of going home to an empty house every day is maybe not as satisfying as we're being led to believe. These are the attitudes that we are battling <clears throat> in society as married people. Uh, I was on TikTok the other day, the bastion of debauchery that it is, and I actually found a video that was hilarious and made sense. And it was of a young lady. She had to be no older than I guess 22 or 23. She said that in 2022, uh, she, she titled the video with a caption, uh, Ways to Rebel in 2022. And then she listed very normal and healthy things like getting married and loving God and... Um, of, all, of course, this one is going to make <clears throat> people shriek being a stay-at-home housewife. And I've noticed all of these things, especially the housewife, uh, the, the housewife thing, because we are told as women that what we do in our homes as mothers, for those of us who do stay home with our children, what we do at home as our uh, with our children and for our families as mothers, doesn't it, is it doesn't matter. Um, and it's obsolete in this day and age for that role to be specific to women. We're also told that our true value comes from not, you know, God who made us, but from a career and what we've accomplished in life financially. Those are the things that American society says contributes to the value, uh, determines the value of a woman. Well, I find that really hard to believe because a growing number of now career women are feeling like are 
starting to feel like they got the the short end of the stick and they're crying out to return to become the housewife uh, it's actually become a new phenomenon or a growing phenomenon now where married women are wanting to are not married women but single women are actually searching for marriage and wanting to become housewives and they were online talking in chat rooms and you know i say discussing it with some of the wrong people what they need to do in order to become a housewife and then it becomes a thing of well it's expensive to live so let's go let's aim straight for the top and uh and compete with other women for the 1% of men with the millions and billions of dollars. And it's, it's a rabbit hole that we dive down into where no one really knows what they want anymore. No, well, people think they want one thing, but they don't know any, they don't know how to get it. They don't know what to do with it when they have it. It's all very sad. Um, last episode, we discussed divorce culture and I actually have a, an article by the Heritage Farm that um, <clears throat> I think everyone should go and read. It's called Why the Declining Marriage Rate Affects Everyone. The Heritage Foundation's article, Why the Declining Marriage Rate Affects Everyone, goes to explain uh, a few things. It tackles the, um, the first off, the, the, the billion-dollar years, the $110 billion a year that unwed and single-led households are costing taxpayers. It tackles briefly things like crime and the likelihood that children from these institutions will suffer and abuse drugs and things like that. So we're just going to get into the article itself. It says, families are the building block of civilization. They are personal relationships, but they greatly shape and serve the public good. Strong families make for good for strong communities. Conversely, family breakdown harms society as a whole. That's why America's declining marriage rate is a real problem. While on the surface, this might not seem like an issue to, that you and I need to care about, the decline in marriage has significant impact on each and every one of us. From the amount of taxes we pay to the level of crime in our neighborhoods, how do we know? Decades of statistics have shown that on average, married couples have better physical health, more financial stability, and greater social mobility than unmarried people. Other studies show that children of those couples are more likely to experience higher academic performance, emotional maturity, and financial stability than children who don't have both parents in home. The social and economic costs of family breakdown are paid by everyone. Studies show that divorce and unwed childbearing cost taxpayers over $110 billion a year, but the real victims are the children. Children raised in single-parent homes are statistically more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, exhibit poor social behaviors, and commit violent crimes. They are also more likely to drop out of school. And when it comes to fighting poverty, there is no better weapon than marriage. In fact, marriage reduces the probability of child poverty by 80%. So what can and should be done? When it comes to public policy, one way government can help is by eliminating the marriage penalty. That is the part of the tax code where two people are taxed more if they are married than if they are single. The second, the government assistance programs should provide temporary help to families in need, not welfare that spans generations. For too long, these programs have encouraged the formation of single parent families by taking the place of breadwinning fathers and mothers. But more family friendly public policy like these are only part of the solution. 
Civil society, including community organizations, schools, and places of religious worship, must do its part to make sure the next generation understands the hard facts about the benefits of marriage and the cost of broken families. Armed with that knowledge, people can make better choices. Marriage remains America's strongest anti-poverty, anti-crime, pro-health institution. It is an undeniable fact that the best chance for financial success, emotional well-being, and good health for both parents and children happen when parents are married and families are intact. And uh, I have actually been a witness to the differences in communities with uh, the communities of predominantly married families as opposed to the communities of predominantly unwed mothers. Uh, growing up, I lived back and forth between um, differing neighborhoods. And when I was living in the poor neighborhoods, I noticed that there were relatively no fathers in the picture. As a matter of fact, I don't believe the majority of those homes um, had a man even living there. And if they did, he wasn't a man of quality because the only thing he did was add to the problems and the stress of that family. By contrast, when we moved to the neighborhoods where the majority of people were married, we noticed a complete difference. The neighborhood was cleaner. It was quiet. It was, uh, you were instantly wrapped in this feeling of safety and security. And what I just described are the things that instinctively children will tell you when they get older that they feel when they have a good father in their lives. So we can't act like two things. We can't act like marriage is not a necessity and we cannot act like um, fathers are not a necessity because all the statistical data out there proves that removing a man from the picture and um, leaving a single woman bearing the entire load does nothing to improve her life and it actually causes multiple problems across the board for children. So what are my five ways to navigate a anti-family American culture? Well, first things first, I say you have to. My first tip says that you have to put God first, okay? Put God first in everything you do. That is a mantra that I grew up with, and I'd never understood that until I became this age. I was raised in the church, and... Well, for many years, after a while, we sort of tipped off and stopped going. And I honestly think that is the biggest mistake that my parents made. But we're not here to discuss that. So when I was growing up in church, one thing that I learned uh, early on was that as a Christian, God should be the head of your life at all times. Everything you do should be in accordance with God and with his rules and with his regulations, with uh, his will. In doing so, we get into step number two, which is prioritize your marriage. When you put God first and then you prioritize your marriage, you can't go wrong because of course, as we know, the institution of marriage was a sacred unity that was created for humanity by God himself. And in putting your marriage first, you prioritize the needs of your spouse like we used to do under the companionate marriage. And the companionate marriage used to tell us that it was our duty to not only honor our marital vows and for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, uh, forsaking all others, but we devote ourselves to being a companion, a lover, a friend, a support system for our spouse. We uh, give ourselves in servitude to our spouse. And that applies both ways from women to men and from men to women. 
there's none of this modern what about me me and my needs me 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 selfishness applied when you do this so put god first in everything you do um prioritize your marriage are my first two tips now for tip number three i would say um <clears throat> hold tight to your morals and your moral convictions I say this because we are living in a society that tells us that it's perfectly fine to throw away everything that we hold sacred, that everything that uh, walking in accordance to our morals has become archaic and wrong and discriminatory. And the new and improved or progressive way is to completely forsake everything that we hold dear step outside of our morals, act on our wrongs, engage in, in a, engage in our lives in a way that speaks to um, the fulfillment specifically of our desires, whether that was, whether we're doing right or wrong, we're not supposed to consider that because we live in a society that now promotes nihilism and in a nihilistic believing society, there is no such thing as wrong. There's no absolute truth. Um, wrong and right are what you make of it not what is actually right or wrong uh, but if we hold tight to our morals and our convictions that we are disciplining ourselves to stop and not embrace the things that are bad for us not to embrace uh social ills and social concepts that tell us that our marriage is a place of of uh, oppression and that we should throw it away if we're a woman and that committing yourself solely and wholeheartedly to one woman instead of uh, enjoying a bunch of meaningless relations with multiple is, you know, that the commitment of yourself to one woman is, is an old and archaic and it makes you less of a man. That thing, if you're, if you're of course, the husband, we have to embrace our morals because we know in the Bible that it's specifically against adultery and lust and pride and selfishness. So our morals are going to be the things that we um, that help us when the world is trying to force feed us a its its ideas and its concepts of good and its ideas of principle its principles and its you know it, its new ideas which are things that we that are not really good for us or our families that benefit us none that actually cause harm to us and the, everything that we hold so tip number four i would have to say would be approach your marital disagreements with a, an understanding that it is you and your partner versus the problem not you versus your partner we have everything outside of our individual marriages telling us to battle our spouses that the real problem that we are having is uh, with the person that we're married to. Uh, this is not our partner, not our friend, not our confidant, not our uh, our lover. This is actually our enemy. And we sometimes fall to, into the belief that what society is trying to force feed us uh, and put us in opposition against our own marriages is correct. I believe that when married that if married people approach their disagreements with a place of love and understanding and an understanding that it is the the problem at hand that you are trying to resolve and 
that rather than your spouse, <clears throat> you're going to see a lot less bad communication in marriages. You will see a decline in marital disagreements and you'll see actually a strengthening communication and less divorce. Um, but the counter to that is we have to understand that it's our, our issues are not with the person that we are married to, but the, there's a specific problem. There is an issue there outside of our own, outside of our husband or outside of our wife that we need to approach. And when the two of us put our heads together and start thinking his, uh, his opinion on the matter and her opinion on the matter, there's middle ground there that each of us can reach to solve our marital discourse rather than allowing ourselves to approach our uh, marital disagreements from a place of, <clears throat> of uh, I guess, offense and defense where we're content, where we view our spouse as something that he or she is not. Um, this also makes way for us tackling uh, us developing our, our expanding upon, I'm not expanding, but strengthening our ability to care for our spouses in a manner that they deserve to be cared for. And um, there are some cliches that surround marriage that I absolutely hate. And there's this, uh, there's this one called happy wife, happy life. I hate it because it's rooted in selfishness. What it does is it approaches from the perspective of women, the marriage union, which is supposed to be about two people from with the human potential ideals that what I want and what I need is all that matters and forget my spouse. Well, that doesn't work in a marriage. So if you uh, approach your, if you, you develop your communication with your spouse in a healthy manner in times of marital disagreement, it's going to be all the more easier to speak to them and tell them what you need when you're in that, when you're on good terms with one another. And it'll also help you see that uh, healthy communication, I mean, will help you see that it's there's an entire person there that wants to meet your needs, but they're just asking for theirs to be reciprocated. And there's not a bad thing. That's absolute, that's absolutely fair for that person to ask that. After all, marriage is an institution that is built for two people. My last tip would be keep your marriage between you, your spouse, and God. And I say that because sometimes we go out and we, uh, I hate it when married, when people do this, but especially married people, when they take their marital disagreements and they take them to their friends or to their family members, and it becomes a place where you're opening your marriage up to everyone and everyone's opinions and everyone's ideas. And of course, if you're opening your marriage up to everyone's opinions and everyone's ideas, you're also opening up your marriage for attack you're making your marriage vulnerable because not everyone around you has the best intentions for your marriage there are some people out there that would love to divide your house and see you and your spouse uh, at each other's throats and of course even worse they would love to see you divorce so keep your marital keep your marriage closed and private between the two of you as long as there's no abuse there no one needs to know what goes on inside your house and inside your marriage because what happens is through those difficult patches in your marriage, the two of you will eventually come to a, a resolve and you'll forgive one another and move forward. But his family and her family and his friends and her friends will not. 
keep your keep your friends and your family out of your marital business. Uh, it's never good to have that many people involved in the decision making of a union involved a union for two people. It's it's just not going to help you in any way. So I wouldn't recommend it. Um, I think that it is highly dangerous to what the two of you have going on and it's ineffective. 